I thought I'd take a crack at answering a question that came from my post-opt-in survey. I'm doing this without the benefit of a conversation with my questioner, so I won't have all the context and nuance of such a conversation. But, as my wife's grandmother used to say, it's better than a poke in the eye, isn't it? Here's the question. My biggest challenge is connecting the dots between what I want to do and then finding companies who are interested in those services. This is such an important question. To turn it around on you, dear reader, are you happy following the market, building the specs that your clients hand you, or do you want to lead the market in some way? Do you want to design the specs that your clients follow? What might be the most popular bit of marketing advice out there boils down to this. Find out what the market wants and then build, sell, and deliver what it wants. This might also be a reasonably good one-sentence summary of a very popular marketing book called Ask. The actual title is the hilariously long Ask, the counterintuitive online method to discover exactly what your customers want to buy, create a mass of raving fans, and take any business to the next level. We'll call this the market-first approach. This is a good approach, and there's a phase of our business journey where this approach makes sense. In fact, there's a phase where this approach is medicine that cures a sickness. That sickness is the idea-first approach. We see this a lot in SaaS software. It's the ready, fire, aim approach to taking an idea to market. You get excited about the idea, build it, and then try, often with little success, to find the market segment that wants to buy it. The market-first approach informs direct response marketing methods, which use data, things like an opt-in rate, for example, to chase market demand. For example, let's say that I have a sense that people who are new to working from home have problems I could help solve using a SaaS app. One piece of advice I would come across would tell me to set up some landing pages, pay to run some ads that send clicks to those landing pages, measure the opt-in rate of those landing pages against each other, and then move forward with the winning idea, perhaps further iterating it along the way. This is a crude rendition of this particular advice, but you get the idea. We're collecting data that we hope informs what we build for the market and how we sell it. In a way, the market-first approach de-emphasizes innovation, or it can if you take it too literally. In the context of a, a newbie, however, de-emphasizing innovation is a very good thing. Most business noobs suck at innovation in impressively destructive ways, and so de-emphasizing innovation is a good thing for them. De-emphasizing innovation is the active ingredient that makes the market-first approach a good form of medicine for the noob. We're all familiar with two stories. Henry Ford supposedly saying that if he'd asked his customers what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. And we're familiar with the iPhone, no hardware keyboard innovation in the mobile computing world. These are examples of market leading innovations. They led the market. Alan Clement 
offers a really good perspective to consider when it comes to innovation. Here's a recent tweet from him on this subject. This is, a, again, a quote from Alan Clement. Supply and demand is a misnomer. Supply creates demand. The latter is a derivative of the former. For example, everyone thought the BlackBerry was great until there was the iPhone. This means it's a mistake to believe you are studying demand only. Needs are always linked to a product. That's the end of the quote from Alan Clement. If we buy into this perspective, I do, then it opens up the possibility of leading a market through innovation. Everything thus far in this email has been contextualized in the world of products. We're all about services here. There are some fundamental similarities, but there are some stark differences as well. One difference is that conversations are built into services much more than they are to products, especially if you provide services as a solo consultant. You're not hermetically sealed away in a corner office with no contact with your clients. You're talking to them all the time as a matter of course. There is, of course, a time and a place for formal customer research and interviews with your current or past clients and that sort of thing. But in our world, we're picking up a lot of information about our clients via osmosis. Another difference is that personal brands have this outsized importance in our world. We can't have brand equity accrete around a product or impersonal company identity. So that brand equity has to accrete around our public identity as a person and our point of view. This leads to a third possibility. So we've got the market first and idea first approaches. Let me propose a third way, transformation first. I'm gonna pause here to give some credit. I've been steeping in the thinking of one of my clients, Kyle Bowen. He applies the ideas we're discussing here to museums and cultural institutions, and I'm so steeped in his thinking that I worry I'm unconsciously ripping off his ideas. I probably am. <laughs> I don't want to dilute his email list's focus by sending him out of vertical subscribers, but the thinking he's been doing there is so muscular that I can't help but recommend it if you're interested in these kinds of ideas, albeit discussed in a different context than ours. You can sign up at his site at superhelpful.substack.com. For the next few paragraphs of this email, think of me like a guitarist improvising a solo that may or may not resolve. I may end up on, the, on my back on the floor. With the transformation first approach, you know the market so well that you know where they want to go. And despite the lack of strong evidence that they want some particular kind of service to get them there, you create it anyway. And the presence of that service creates demand for the service. This is the kind of alchemy that Rory Sutherland describes in his book titled Alchemy. This is what I'm attempting with some success to do with the expertise incubator. TEI is an unconventional service that I invented to serve a market desire for transformational progress. With a transformation-first approach, you've been steeped via your ongoing conversations with the market in their terminology, their worldview, their office politics, and so on. 
you just know them really deeply because you've been present with them in this intimate way for long enough that you totally get them. You've collected data on them, but via the experience of being present with them. You've researched them, but via the experience of serving them over what probably amounts to years. Now you can accelerate this timeline with formal research, but you can also just relax into letting it happen over a longer time by always being curious. What makes the transformation first approach different is that instead of just asking your clients what they want you to build for them, and them possibly saying a faster horse, you take a risk. You take what you know about their desire for change and improvement, and you design a service or an entire business that facilitates that transformation. And then you do the hard work of helping them connect the dots between their current condition, their aspirations, and the way your services can move them from status quo to status quo. All right, this was originally typed as an email and it felt super cheesy to type that. <laughs> but the new keyboard I'm typing on, low profile cherry speed switches, feels so good I'm going to allow it. You are present with them and yet apart from them. You lead them. That brings us to the final point bootstrapping versus brand marketing. I often cast direct response marketing as a way of chasing markets and brand marketing as a way of shaping markets. There's also the dimension of time. We need to do different things, different forms of marketing, while we are bootstrapping a business. After we're out of that bootstrapping phase and we're the custodian of an audience and running a more stable, profitable business, we can invest in brand marketing, which has the fringe benefit of letting us shape our market. So, dear questioner, the answer to your question is, it depends, thanks for your question. I'm kidding, I'm not gonna leave you with the non-answer of it depends and then peel out. It does depend, but it depends on your business maturity and depth of connection in the market. And let me reiterate the question in case my enjoyment of this new keyboard has become so expansively Baroque that you've actually forgotten the question. Here's the question. My biggest challenge is connecting the dots between what I would want to do and then finding companies who are interested in those services. If you're bootstrapping and only superficially connected in the market, you will probably want to take that market first approach. Now, I'm not saying read the ask book because half of it is offensively terrible and also because it recommends an approach that presumes having an audience and you may not have that. So here's what the market first approach looks like without the so-called ask method. You just imitate an existing business, a specialized one, I hope. If their capabilities are similar to yours, there's a chance that their very existence is evidence that the market wants businesses like that business you're imitating. And so you, as a new entrant to the market, um, there's this demand gives you a fighting chance. Although you should discount this recommendation heavily for verticals that are not open to outsiders. Now, if you have a higher risk profile, you can do some research to understand the progress your market is trying to make and invent a service that helps them optimize their progress towards some important goal. Alan Clement and the afferlinked email list from Kyle Bowen are again good resources here. 
If you're bootstrapping and only superficially connected in the market, then make sure to invent a service that is easy to sell. You may not yet have the trust asset needed to sell a more ambitious or transformational or risky service. If you are past the bootstrapping phase and more deeply connected in the market, you can consider a service that aims to lead or shape the market. If we take your question's language at face value, dear questioner, it seems like this is your ambition. I support this ambition with my every fiber. Even when you've built up a significant personal brand, a trust asset, and a network of access to the market, it's still a formidable task. It comes with occupational hazards. For some of us, this makes getting out of bed in the morning worth it. Maybe that's you. I'll follow up with this email that, or with an email that suggests a market leadership recipe. Might take me a few days. I hope this helps. Quick PS. I don't think it will undermine my point to add this. You can make a shitload of money chasing a market. I don't mean to dismiss the idea of building what the market provides evidence that it wants, nor do I mean to diss this by framing it as chasing rather than shaping or leading. An acquaintance of mine recently posted in a Slack channel that she now makes more money in her sleep from a digital course than she ever did from services. I'm certain she's not exaggerating. So again, chasing a market can be a fan-freaking-tastic way to make money. But just like the word relationship means different things to different people, for some of us, business means earning the opportunity to lead a market, and that implies a different approach to the business.